Welcome to So Is This Normal, a podcast by women for women about the things they didn't teach us in school. We are your hosts, Kate Naranjo and Phoebe Hall, inviting guests from a range of specialties, navigating the intersection of women's health and thriving in the 21st century. We have all been there. Something causes us to ask ourselves, so is this normal? Let's talk about it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Phoebe. Thanks for being so patient with us as we've taken a bit of a summer hiatus to deal with our psycho chaotic (laughs) lives. (laughs) But we also had a lot of beach time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, really, like, there's plenty of other things to do in the summer than listen to us talk. So I don't feel bad for you guys. That's true. (laughs) You guys being the listeners. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Um, and what a busy summer it has been. Yeah. I don't even know where to start because I feel like I blinked in June and here we are in September. Um, but yep. I hear ya. (laughs) What's some stuff that's been going on? Like, um, well I had just got through a crazy double whammy wedding weekend. Yes, you did. Um, a one, two punch. Yep. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the podcast, maybe we'll um, talk more about our lives. Okay. You know, um, what are you, what have you been up to most recently? Most recently, I celebrated my one year anniversary with my husband. um, Beautiful couple. Yeah, ate the shit out of our wedding topper (laughs) cake situation. It it had no chance. It was actually amazing. So I recommend you wrap it in tin foil. Okay, I'm taking notes. Twice. Oh, I got engaged, guys, by the way. P.S. P.S. Big summer news. (laughs) Warning, warning, yeah, yeah, yeah. biggest summer news. There's a massive rock on Phoebe's finger. So I'm taking all the advice, both solicited and unsolicited, solicited from all the people that have ever been married, including <laughs> to wrap your cake topper in tinfoil. And then put it in okay. a large freezer Ziploc bag. Fascinating. Put it in the freezer. Take it out two days before you plan on eating oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay. It was right. so good. Okay. It was, it was gluten-free, It was right? a gluten-free cake, and yeah. it was still delicious. Yum. Yeah. I mean... Gluten-free cakes can be amazing. They can be. But we sometimes both they know can. about that chocolate peanut butter one from Wildflower. It tasted like that. Oh, yeah. so, it's so good. I know. Like, it's dirty, dirty it's good. It's dirty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, yeah, that was a great weekend. Um, cool. Yeah. So we're just looking at some pictures and memories. I got to spend some quality time because when summer goes fast like it does I mean even though you're living with your husband or your wife or whoever you like you know sometimes you forget to spend time with them because it's just like all the activities and seeing friends and family and cookouts and vacations and all that stuff so it was wonderful yeah I just got back from a solo trip in California um northern California too so um we were due for some quality time Mm. I love that I love seeing Steve after being away from him still I like you so much I can't I can't like inhale him enough yes. it's those ugh. pheromones man yeah. they're so real yeah I'm ovulating right now too so actually even just thinking about it is making me kind of excited yeah <laughs> the scent the scent is very real I want to put him up my nose yeah <laughs> live in my you live in my nose now uh, I won't go there never okay. mind <laughs> 
<laughs> and we, so maybe a couple uh, other places, no. but you know, boom, boom, yeah. <laughs> You know, but especially my notes. Especially live in my notes. Um, So I'm sure you guys had a a wonderful romantic weekend just like staring into each other's eyes. We did. We had so much fun. It was really Mm -hmm. great. Um, But yeah, and and here we are in October. Uh, No, September. (laughs) Yeah, where are Um, we? (laughs) But we're both, I know, in like some, some final laps of school stuff. Oh my God. And... That's kind of a fun segue. If I'm too early, yeah. raise your hand. No, okay. no. Go for it. Fun segue into what I really wanted to talk about is that, you know, months ago, you told me what you were thinking about doing for your doctoral project. Yes. And first of all, I'd never heard of it. But that's not <laughs> a surprise coming from the encyclopedia. But second of all, I was super, super intrigued and think it's a super fascinating topic to talk about just for people to like kind of put two and two together so the the way that I remember it and kind of how I describe it is that you're looking at how the shit in our childhood Mm -hmm. kind of bubbles up into our adulthood in what seems like an uncorrelated way um, and sort of mapping those patterns there's a fun acronym that's involved um, ACEs Uh adverse childhood experiences that's it so Tell me, A, you can, like, talk about your project as much or as little as you want to, or B, mostly, like, where the idea comes from and sort of what people can look out for as we all, you know, have our our shit. Right. Well, so it affects everyone, um, whether directly or indirectly. And as I am finishing my doctorate of nursing practice, I had to embark on a capstone project. Um, which was an opportunity for me to take research and organize some policy change and work with a health cor- a healthcare organization that's already in practice and functioning to implement a change to the system. And so um, my focus is family medicine in general, and I really wanted to work on a project that had something to do with screening for insulin resistance or, you know, incorporating dietary education into NP and MD and PA school. But I ended up having a really cool opportunity fall into my lap. Um, So it wasn't something that I had originally thought about either. And this healthcare, I was approached actually by the dean of the graduate of nursing school. And she was like, I want to know if you're interested in working on this project with I'm not going to say the healthcare organization yet um, but it's a medium-sized healthcare organization um, provider in Rhode Island and they are primarily in very poor areas and they they offer primary care dental care urgent care and um, everything in between that just not and not too many major specialties Um, They have behavioral health also, which is super important. Um, So they were looking into incorporating something called an ACEs screening into their primary care. And I had never heard of ACEs either, actually. And when I'm playing cards. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So ACEs, as I said, stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And it's kind of remarkable that um, we 
don't talk about it more in the healthcare space because an accumulation of traumatic experiences during childhood actually dramatically and um, uh, measurably translates to very poor health outcomes in adulthood. Can you give me an example of an adverse? Yeah, so there started out, it started out that there was 10 that they were measuring um, in the data, right? So the original 10 are psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional neglect, which is like, I want to highlight that one because Mm. it's often not thought of, right? But it's, it's the most prevalent. Okay. Actually, neglect in general, because it also, ACEs also includes physical neglect, loss of a parent, um, a child seeing a mother treated violently, substance abuse in the household, mental illness in the household, and criminal behavior in the household. So those were the first 10 ACEs determined by the Kaiser Permanente ACEs study in the 90s. Kaiser teamed up with the CDC and they did this mm. really big study and then they looked at the data. And what they found was that people with four or more ACEs were uh, statistically more likely to be smokers, commit suicide, suffer from depression, have COPD, have asthma. And we're not talking just about like a little bit more statistically likely, like four times more likely, 12 times more likely to commit suicide. Um, I think somewhere around like two and a half times more likely to have a heart attack or heart disease. Wow. Um, And these are the things that we are dealing with in our healthcare system that are costing us so much money. And so as much as I love this project and I love the idea of screening for ACEs in primary care because it's seeing a person for who they are behaviorally and just looking at their story and how their physiology or their habits have Mm. been affected by what they've experienced um, especially while they're developing what they experienced not what they did what, right. what happened it's not around their them. fault like okay. it, it happens around them and that they're you know. only screening for things that happened around them not something that they may have done right okay right. because the they may have done part is what we see when we start seeing behavior pattern in ways because someone's experienced a lot of trauma. And that's not to say that teenagers may not, you know, try a little smoking and drinking and risky behavior because generally teenagers do that anyways Mm -hmm. and some level of pushing the boundaries is normal. But when that coping, when that behavior turns into coping and becomes an adult and lifelong habit, then you're looking at someone who's a smoker, um, you know, maybe has lower educational opportunities. They um, maybe they engage in risky sexual behavior, so they've been exposed to some STDs and they've gotten pregnant early. Okay. And also, they are continuing the pattern of um, physical abuse at home. Okay. And so, we're looking at like high risk for injury. Also, like yeah. that's one of them. You know, it's just this kind of overall unwell life that people who have high exposures of aces are linked to are are more likely exactly they're more likely to experience a not well life so in primary care it's like why aren't we you know we're always looking to lower the disease rates and Mm -hmm. and we look at the chronic illness epidemic and we're like oh my god this is out of control and and really all we're doing is throwing drugs at it and instead of 
just doing that, not that there's anything wrong with utilizing all the tools we have in medicine, but if we're not going to look at the actual reason as to why someone acts the way they do, then how do we expect to help them through to behave differently and actually become well? Do you feel like there are any that are like commonly linked like the of the aces that you see like the one you see x you always see y is That's there a data really on that good question so there probably is data on that i'm not actually sure um because that's really getting into the nitty-gritty of okay. it um, like i said the neglect piece is um very prevalent so is they've added other Um, ACEs since because more research has been done in more community level settings Mm. to look at what other kinds of quote-unquote trauma alter brain patterning and behavior and um, and even physical health on a cellular level and bullying and violence in the community Mm -hmm. and divorce unfortunately Um, because what we're looking for is prolonged periods of stress so these categories of ACEs are just descriptions of periods in a child's life or or exposures that they may have been exposed to Mm. that are causing physiologically a chronic or toxic stress response. So when the body is under toxic stress, um, you have a prolonged activation of these stress hormones. Yeah. And because of that, you have altered you're brain whack, development. Yeah, you're whacking everything else out. Yes. Okay. Right. And as you know so well, mm-hmm. when the body's under prolonged stress, certain hormones don't fire, don't they don't I get made, it. and it causes a physiological imbalance in yeah. the body. So we're very concerned about this in children or uh, teenagers also, and even adults, because we, we don't make memories the same way when we're in, under toxic stress. Um, we don't make them as effectively. So we don't learn as effectively. And also it leads to like an enlargement of the amygdala, which can make us kind of jumpy and like quick to react to things. Wait, so is that why when I'm super stressed, (laughs) I like don't remember things? Absolutely. I swear the past three years I have no memory. Yes. It's at least part of the equation. I'm fully developed though. Yeah. Do you remember anything from this summer? (laughs) I I actually have no idea. I don't even know how I got here. Uh Um, That makes so much sense. Okay. I didn't realize that stress was linked to memory formation. Right, right, right. Whoa. Um, So it also leads to like reduced neural connections and and so basically impaired learning. That is a nugget of, I'm going to keep that one with me. Yeah. Okay. uh, Yet another reason not to be stressed, folks. Now I'm stressed about not being stressed. I know. It's it's the problem of like your wellness, every wellness focused. I read something the other day though um, that stuck with me. I said instead of like feeling your feelings and analyzing them. Okay. And you, stressing over them. Yeah. You <laughs> feel your feelings and you acknowledge them. Okay. And then you say they'll pass. So like instead of being like I'm overwhelmed and then analyzing why I'm overwhelmed, I just say like I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling overwhelmed. This will pass. Yeah. I love that. And then I'm like oh okay. I love And then that. I kind of like let it go. I guess it's sort of like active meditation because when I meditate you think of a thought and then you like let it go yeah um but I'm the queen of like not falling asleep at night because I'm thinking about the gajillion <laughs> things which is why I started my like 
worry journal where I write your dump journal. Data dump. Sorry. My dump journal. You're tracking your bowel movements. My dumps. That's gross. I'm so sorry. Um, But I, yeah, I write down things that are floating around in my head at night. Yeah. Try to reduce my like lay awake where I think about things I have to do the next day. Yeah. But instead of getting overwhelmed about them because I'm thinking about them, I just acknowledge that I am overwhelmed and that it will pass. Right. Well, so that is interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things – so, of course, you know, you start talking about these adverse childhood experiences. There's a lot of categories of them mm-hmm. and a lot of people are like, shit, I, I score four or more on that. I've been exposed to four or more. Am I screwed? And the answer is no, because the body keeps the score of the bad, but also the good. Mm. And a practice like a meditative practice, especially Mm -hmm. like a data dump or patterning your brain to... Resilience strategies. Yes, it it harbors resilience. Mm -hmm. Basically teaching the body how to go from being in the sympathetic nervous system where where we're in overdrive... um, Stress hormones are pumping. We're in, you know, some people call it the fight or flight response. Yeah. It's turning that off and bringing it back to the parasympathetic state, which is where we want to be mm. unless we are actually in danger, right? And what's right? the line, though? Because <laughs> what is the, like, what are healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms? Right. Because I feel like, is it better if a child finds a way to turn off their fight or flight in a stressful situation and be like, everything's fine? Yeah. When maybe it's not. True. True. Because you, know? you want them to be like learn to so, you know become adults who can get their way out of, the and situation. also acknowledge the situation, not right. ignore it. Like right. we all have someone in our life mm-hmm. who is like the king or queen of being in a pile of shit and not yeah. being yes. able to see it, and you're totally. like, what is going totally. on? Or it's like, you know, think you know one of the categories is like having an alcoholic parent, yeah, uh, or alcohol abuse in the household, really. So okay. it could be anyone, it could be grandma, but whatever. Yeah. It's upsetting for children because they realize that like that person is trying to escape something and and alcoholism is like a whole nother area of study in and of itself. It's just that um, you don't want people being so resilient that they think that that's like acceptable behavior and that's coping. What I mean. Yeah. So like what yeah. is the line there? That's yeah. tough. It's because we want to teach people resilience. We right. also want to teach people, like, I guess, like, acknowledgement. Is yeah. that the right word? Like, yeah, totally. And I think it just looks different for everyone. Um, resi- the number one factor that harbors and bolsters resilience is having strong, supportive relationships. Okay. So as you and I talk about all the time, yeah. like, the number one wellness mm-hmm. factor for people who live long happy fulfilled lives is their sense of connection mm-hmm. also another reason why women tend to live longer than men yes. it, it's been hypothesized is that sense of connection and belonging and community hmm. and so it's really important for these kids that are exposed to or any people who are exposed to a lot of trauma that they know where they can go where they can feel safe and um it's typically being with people that make them feel that way. Interesting. Yeah. My brain is going like a gajillion directions. I know. What do you want to talk about next? Trying to stay in, like, in line with <laughs> in what we're In the lanes. About. It's okay. So Jump around. Tell me about then those of us who are like hand raised. There's a couple of those things you talked about that I may or may not have seen in some level of, mm-hmm. um, of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What's the good news? What can we do right. for our health? Because we can't control the past, so how do we, A, 
for personally and then like systemically what are the thoughts surrounding yeah so my project will start like in primary care right mm-hmm. like what can we do so we need to screen for it because if we're screening for it like we are high blood pressure or social determinants of health or um stds or child abuse we do screen for physical abuse in the mm-hmm. pediatric setting and and verbal but um when we screen for high levels of trauma mm. and then we see that someone has a high level of trauma and we know they're statistically likely to be um, to have their health impaired by it, then we can connect them to behavioral health therapists, okay. um, behavioral health professionals who can help them figure out what therapy is right for them. And there's a whole slew of them. I mean, they all generally fall under the CBT or cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy umbrella where you're repatterning the brain. Right. And um, so that is one thing we can do. That's great, healthcare. But that's a tiny piece of the puzzle because public education about yeah. this is really important because it starts in the family. Mm-hmm. It starts in the home. So different social services that um, work with families to kind of give them a leg up when maybe they're very impoverished. Um, you know, they can also take this um, example. And I think that's why it's important that in primary care we do this because even though we might not screen for, we might not catch everyone or get everyone the help they want, but it's making a statement about saying like, you are not just a labeled depressed person. You are not just a labeled type two diabetic you are a result of everything you've experienced. Yeah. And so if certainly you can't change the bad things you've experienced, but you can change how much good you're exposed to after that. Mm-hmm. And we know that working with a behavioral health professional to repattern your brain is great. It's super effective and it yeah. really gets to the root of it, but also living well, eating well, moving, regular mm-hmm. movement is so important for repatterning the brain. Um Meditation, yoga, mm-hmm. meditative practices in general where you can, once again, repattern the brain to being able to pull it into that parasympathetic state and creating that kind of like inward resilience, um, you know, and reducing our stress in general. Yeah. You know, we all have a stressful life in the, you know, I can, 2019. Right? It's insane. I remember almost 10 years ago, what? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost ten years ago, in my freshman year of high of Jesus. college, yeah, it was what was the class you're getting called? old. That just actually that just actually wigged me out. Yeah, you look um, like you need a hand. Yeah, whoa. Um, I like take pride in the fact that I'm always the youngest one in the group. So when it starts being like not the young, I'm like whoa, okay, I'm back. We're good. Yeah. Um, I figured out the class was. It was like this bullshit class that okay. all the freshmen had to take that didn't really have like a curriculum it was almost like hold your hand freshman first semester like teach you about the campus sort of thing yeah. but I remember one of the components was that we had to write down our stress like rank Ooh. our stress Ooh. and it was it was listed examples of how things. objective oh okay like like um so it was very college centric so it was like oh like you get along with your roommate like yes or no and like what like what that um and then whatever number you put like you added them up and it gave you an overall okay. stress it was like saying you know you're I, I can't remember exactly but like in the professional setting it was, a long, one, it was a long time ago <laughs> oh i remember the reason i remember the roommate one is because my roommate was in the class with me okay. and i hated her mm. and i like made a point of standing up and being like 
the stress talking about the stress it was caused because I didn't like my roommate oh, <laughs> just tells you where I God. was 10 years ago but um yeah but then I've done one in, in a professional setting as well um I think it must have been when I was working in New York we had like a bunch of wonderful employee resources cool. yeah one of them was talking about like how the amount of time you commute per day mm-hmm. contributes to your stress level mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, because it pumps up your adrenals. Yes. So when you're driving, you can't help but be a, a little like bit a agitated. little agitated yeah. just because you have to be alert. So mm-hmm. you are not ever really in the parasympathetic state. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be when, when you're, you're driving. driving. Ugh. I do say that I think I had it a little bit easy in New York because I took public transit. So, like, I wasn't driving. I was able oh, to yeah. be, like, on my email or my yeah. favorite activity ever That's... on public transit was reading other people's emails. So I would, like, <laughs> sit back in my seat you're and such I would, a voyeur I loved doing that that's, that's kind of fun and yeah. I would be like you know I you can you can learn a lot about someone yeah. by what they're texting and emailing on their way sure. into work in the morning sure um so that was one of my activities but yeah regardless it's when you think about the components that make up your daily mundane mm-hmm. life not the like big stressors yeah, not the like little the, stressors. not the traumatic events yeah, yeah. it's like the you know, I think about like when I lived in Hoboken and I was commuting to Central Jersey and I had to find a parking spot at like 7.30 p.m. when I got back in Hoboken. If you've never been to Hoboken, New Jersey, there's no fucking parking and it's all parallel parking and I suck at that. Oh and <laughs> I would drive around, I'm not lying to you, for 45 minutes looking for a parking spot. That you could like pull into? No. Oh, okay. Any any open spot. And then once you get the open spot, then my adrenals spike again because I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. I have to parallel park. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was not a great experience, but anyway, it's those little things. The fact that I did that every single day, yeah, like made for the fact that I was more stressed during that period of my life. So in those stressful everyday things, like it's easy to understand how someone who is a prone to being more stressed or jumping into that stress response and someone who associates stress and their stress response with really horrible things, yeah, it's understandable to see why some people lean on coping mechanisms yeah. more than other. And look, even healthy coping mechanisms can be like, uh, I don't want to say pathological, but they can be like obsessive, mm-hmm. where it's like you need that. And so, it's um, it's fascinating the science behind all of this. And, um, you know, I, we didn't even really get into the whole, like, epigenetics and gut microbiome piece of it. But we, we mean, we, we kept you on a leash in this yeah, part. I'm really you, trying to hold yeah. back here. We're, we're, give, we're giving her the opportunity for future episodes because yeah. I can see you chomping, chomping at the no, we to won't, talk about it. No, we won't it. get into it. But you, it's the bottom line is uh, trauma does change you on a cellular level. And it changes the way we develop and it changes the way we learn and the way we behave. And so because everyone is different and we're leaning into a more patient-centered style of primary care medicine very slowly in Western (laughs) medicine, um, it's important that we start hearing people's stories because it offers us the opportunity to treat them as a whole and individualize care and actually prevent disease or Mm -hmm. prevent the worsening of things or make a difference so yeah yeah it's been a really cool project I'm excited to be finishing it and guess we we start a pilot program on a screening in this healthcare Mm -hmm. 
organization that I mentioned this month. And um, amazing. we're going to go over the data and decide if it's the right tool. And ultimately, I just want more people to adapt this tool or other tools and ACEs screening into yeah. um, healthcare and school systems and having providers be aware of it but more importantly hopefully having individuals be yeah. aware of it yeah, like the self yeah the self-awareness and that just because your past may have been one way doesn't have to dictate how your future is going to go yeah. and you have the control of your life yeah um never let go of those reins yeah. and um yeah you get you get to make your future which is yeah a big powerful takeaway yeah that's awesome beads yeah as per usual you rock <laughs> Um, thank you for telling me about that. You're welcome. And I'm hoping that um, we gave some nuggets of knowledge to people out there listening. Yeah, thanks and, for listening. Uh, that's all for now, folks. Alrighty, bye. Stay well.